It's going down. It's Ronnie Timber. Mauricio Shine in his weekend debut going five for 11 with a couple of stolen bases as well. The Mets took two out of three, Figgy, from the first place Mariners. Maybe this team is watchable again with the baby Mets in the lineup. Yeah, since the trade deadline, they haven't lost much ground, but you've gotten to see some new faces getting opportunities for next year's team. We'll take a look at all the young players and some of the older players who are getting a chance to shine and see what their future looks like for next year. The Mets will take in the Nationals this week. Yes, seven games out still in the wild card. They were the same games out the trade deadline day. What a bizarre world we're in. We'll also take a trip to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy. It's all coming up next on Amazing But True from the New York Post. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. I'm Jake Brown alongside back in the saddle, Nelson Figueroa. Follow us on Twitter. At Amazing But True. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Follow me at Jake Brown Radio. Follow Figgy at Figgy NY. And watch us on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Give us a thumbs up below if you like what you're seeing. Comment below. What do you think of Ronnie Timber? That's what I call it. Ronnie Mauricio is here. And don't look now, but he is the best hitter on the New York Mets. Hitting 455. So Ronnie Figgy, five for 11 over the weekend. We're here to talk about it. We'll stop at the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy later in the program. No guests today because we do got a lot to talk about for a team Figgy that on August 1st was six games under 500 and seven games back in the wild card when they decided to punt the season. Today, a happy Labor Day to you all as we labor talking into a microphone today. Um, hope you all enjoy your day off the sun, the beach, wherever you are around the globe. Maybe you're listening to Amazing But True while getting tan on the beach, and we hope you are enjoying yourself. Today, after that soliloquy, the Mets are 11 games under 500 and still seven games back in the wild card. Figgy, what bizarre world are we in that the Mets punted the season like they're Steve Weatherford, and today they're still seven out and... 13-year-old Jake in 2004 would be looking at the standing saying, you're staying, there's still a chance. Like, I'd be looking till they're mathematically done. Listen, we know they're not going to make the playoffs, Figgy, but they're still mathematically alive and play all the teams in front of them where if they were to take care of business, it would be a hell of a story. Again, it's not going to happen, but we got to lay it out there, Figgy. Oh, absolutely have to lay it out there because you just never know. This is un- unbelievable. The the one time where you think, okay, you understand the move, very low, 12% chance of making the playoffs. So the writing's on the wall. The team is the oldest team in baseball. You got a chance to get much, much younger. Uh, sustainability, 
um, to have a farm system that you can pull guys up from and and they are viable ball players that can help your team for the foreseeable future. It all seemed like it made sense. And now you sit here a month later and start thinking, what if, what if you would have just kept some of the band together? What if you would have kept your closer? What if you would have kept your number one starter? Now, not necessarily Scherzer because he was still struggling, but Verlander, you keep Verlander and you have another ace for the for, uh, next two years, at least. Senga has been pitching tremendous. Quintana has yet to disappoint. What if? And that's the problem for Met fans, right? We do this all the time. There's a huge what if that hangs over us. You just never know. But you do think that the team is set up nicely for the future. You're seeing that core that we talked about that didn't go away. The core is starting to play better. They're hitting better. They're scoring runs. And they just, you know, took two out of three from a first place team, a team that was the hottest team in baseball, 22 and seven in the month of August to pole vault themselves over everybody in their division. Remember that uh, Texas was ahead of that division by six games on August 1st. And now they're seven and a half games back um, after an unbelievable August and September hits. And it is time to see what Ronnie Mauricio can do. And the first thing that he did was break stat cast. 117 mile an hour double in the gap. The, the nerds were ball. jumping out of the chair. The hardest nerds hit. were going crazy. But but remember, I vividly recall when everybody was saying, when we saw uh, Ellie De La Cruz do the same thing for the Reds, right? He came up, boom, sparked it. Everything he did was stat cast, stat cast, stat cast. You know what's funny? Is it a superstar like him? And I said, absolutely. He's fully capable of doing a lot of uh, similar things. He's a similar build, similar type player. He's got the speed. I said, it's just been a position thing where they don't know where they want to put him. And they keep moving him around, right? First thing he does, boom, hardest hit ball by a Met all season at 117 miles an hour, um, stealing bases, playing good defense. So all the things that you said you were waiting for were right there this whole time. And even if you had brought them up in August, it could have changed things just slightly. But I don't know the reason why, but he's finally here and I'm glad to see him. And it was infuriating that it didn't happen in July because you you bring him up in July before you punt away the season. It might change your approach a little bit if he does provide that spark. And, you know, the, the Twitter experts will say, Oh, no, 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 you're wrong. They brought him up at the perfect time. He wasn't ready defensively or, you know, he wasn't all the way there yet. You don't know jack crap. Like, you don't know if they brought him up in July. And listen, I don't know if they brought him up in July. It'd be good. But you got to see it to know it. So we didn't get to even see it. Now they're saying, you know, he was dealing with an injury. Maybe they were worried about his injury. Wasn't stealing as many bases. Listen, it could be the right time now, but you're right. You're thinking, what if, what if you didn't punt? What if you did punt, but you brought him up in August? You know, by the time it was August and they punted, their thought was probably service time and we get the extra year, which you no, get mad no, at because you, no. you got the richest owner in the sport. That shouldn't right, matter. Exactly I agree. But, you know, it, it is interesting. And yeah, he looked good. You know, line drives, you know, he didn't really have anything tough in the field that we could judge him, but, you know, he looks comfortable at second base. And again, like I said before, Daniel Murphy played almost a gold glove second base after looking like inept in the outfield. So second base is a position you could put a guy and they could have some success. So I think that might be the move where you play him at second, you move McNeil to left field, and boom, McNeil hits one right above me in the Cadillac club. Shout out to Cadillac. Uh, I had a blast there Sunday. I thought it was going to roll through the crevice and I was going to get it. I was hoping for Ronnie Mauricio's first home run ball and uh, I'd have to barter and 
hope for a thousand dollars instead of an autograph. Yeah, it, it, it makes you think. But yeah, like you said, two stolen bases. And what was interesting about the stolen bases is, is he didn't get the greatest jump in the world. He's just so fast. And, you know, with the new rules, it's easier to steal bases, obviously. But, he, you know, he didn't beat them by a mile. He beat, you know, the, the second one on Sunday. He beat the second one Sunday by like a hair. But he's just got such natural gifted ability, Figgy, that, you know, and those line drives, you know, scorching double. Um, a couple seeing eye singles. He's finding the hole up the middle. Like he looks good, this kid, and he looks like he could be a keeper. And it's gonna be interesting here because you get 25 more games kind of here if he plays all of them to see what he's got. And if he continues to perform well, will that be enough for him to fight for a starting spot on the 2024 Mets roster? That's gonna be what to watch for here. One of the things that you look at, of course, when it comes to like the baby Mets and their development is consistency. Right. When Beatty came up, we were like, oh, yeah, this is a keeper. This is a foundational piece. He's going to be at third base forever. Get rid of Escobar. We don't need him. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, my God, what's going on? He can't catch a pop up. Ground balls are, you know, are a problem, too. His batting continues to drop down. He can't hit off of lefties. We're like, what's going on? So they send him down to the minors to, you know, get his bearings a little bit, which is the right move. You know, that's another thing that we don't we weren't used to seeing is that they were afraid to call up guys to send them down. That's part of the process. That's part of the growth process. Um, He goes down there. You know, he's probably talking with Mauricio every day, giving Mauricio some good vibes about, dude, you know, you're going to get your chance and it's going to happen and keeping him, you know, headstrong. I was in Syracuse this weekend and got to talk with the GM and and uh, the clubhouse kids that are around, you know, ask them some questions about Mauricio. You know, how's he doing down here? You know, and they said, you know, he's good. You know, he, he plays his game. You know, he has a smile on his face. He works hard and, you know, he's just waiting for his opportunity. That's one of the frustrating things, of course. But now that he has the opportunity and you know that they're going to give him these 30 days to uh, not just prove what he can do. But again, he's going to make mistakes. He's got to be able to learn from them, make adjustments. The league makes adjustments to you. Show that you can hit the breaking ball. That was been the big knock on him is that. His exit velocity and everything off fastballs is top notch, but it's the breaking balls that he gets this kind of weak swing to just make contact and put it in play that they weren't happy with. They they want him to take that same aggressive swing and have that same aggressive approach to try and do damage. And, you know, if, if say you're the idea, right, you know, swing, shoot for the moon. And if you land amongst the stars, that's the kind of thing that the new baseball approach is, you know, if you're t- putting a hard swing on it and it doesn't go for a home run, it might fall in for, you know, in, in the gap or go down the lines or whatever it may be. You have to see him kind of letting it go because he, he is very gifted. I think that the same of all of them. And I think we have to discuss as well, Alvarez, the decline in Alvarez. So over the month of August, you know, it's it's been hard to watch because you keep expecting him to – what happened to the guy that would step up there with that swagger and, and you know, the, the two home run a night capability? I haven't seen that in him. I haven't seen that same swagger. He just looks like he's worn down already, and that's concerning. You know, he's not playing every day. He's not the everyday guy that, that you hoped he would be when, you know, all the other catchers got hurt. You're like, hey, he's this kid young. He can play every day. If he's worn out already by August, you know, that's a that's a huge concern because his batting is under 200 from the month of uh, from August 1st on. The power numbers aren't there. We were thinking, man, this guy's got a shot at rookie of the year when he was batting almost 260. That has plummeted. 
to down to, you know, he's right around the 200 mark. And those home runs, uh, once he got over 20, they're not there either. So it's 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 a tough grind for these baby Mets, but this is where they have to learn and prove that they can do it on an everyday basis. You wonder if he's gassed at this point or what the reasoning is behind it. It's going to be interesting to see if he could do anything the next few weeks. You're right. Like it was like every other day, Alvarez was like hitting a homer. It was must see TV. And now he can't even hit anything. I mean, he has a single here and there, but he's not even hitting the gaps. He's not hitting extra base hits. So the Alvarez, you know, demise here is concerning. I mean, I still think he's the catcher next season. It might just be, you know, he's just tired. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's why we're seeing Narvaez so much. Maybe Alvarez, he's he's seeing that he's just gassed. But, you know, Bateman's Mets got to play. Like, I know Vientos hurt his foot Saturday. That's why he was out Sunday. But and not take it with Vogelback. In what fantasy, in what world, I'm sitting there Saturday night, enjoying myself, and... Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> in the suite, of course, with some, <laughs> some genie and all the good bet MGM people, but Daniel Vogelback hits a single in the ninth inning. In what world did he think it was smart to try for second base? J.P. Crawford, you see in the video, he's looking like, did this fat ass really try to go to second base? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm fat too, so I could call it. The fat guy could call a guy fat because we relate. I stepped on the scale. And I think I'm up to like 240, and I'm like, holy crap. I'm oh, that diet's going well. What is that, egg whites and spinach? It's, oh. it, it's the City 15, we call it. Not the Freshman 15, <laughs> the City 15. Yeah, those egg whites, are. they've been sitting in the fridge. There's still a lot of them left. But think, that's just one of the moves you're like, one, why is he clogging the lineup? Now he's clogging the base pass like he does. Stand first. Put LeCastro to pinch run, which they did after, um, I believe it was Alvarez actually got a single. Then they put LeCastro, who kept like falling over when trying to steal second. I was like, Timmy boy, like you got one job and you can't even stay on your feet. But I'm like, Vogie, stay at first. They'll get your your ass out of there. You did your job. You got to hit. Thank you. My philosophy was, and it might be a little mean, is put a picture of a salad on the on the big jumbotron and have him look at that. Put a put a Caesar salad at second he'd run, base. He'd run the other way. Like, exactly. So put it at second base. Put a big salad. Put a picture right above second there. And as he's going to run at second, he looks at the salad and he quickly goes back to first. I think that is genius. I would do the same thing. So they need to put a picture of the healthiest foods possible. <laughs> After he hits a single, that was such a buzzkill. It continues to remind you, why is he taking up like Alvarez? Beatty, Vientos, Mauricio, every day. None of this Vogelback crap hitting fifth. And, you know, Buck's argument will be like, he gives us the better chance to win. We're still in the race. But he doesn't. He really doesn't. You don't know that these baby Mets aren't going to provide a spark that he can't. So, figure I, I don't get it with Vogelback. He's not part of the future. Why does he continue to play? Buck loves his veterans, Figgy. Buck loves his guys. His old reliable. He just loves Vogelback. I don't know what it is. He just loves him. But as a fan, Figgy, it is infuriating to watch him. And sure, he hits the occasional homer and he gets the occasional hit. But when things like him getting thrown out by eight miles, cue the M&M, at second base in the ninth inning of a one-run game, like the Mets were very close to sweeping the first-place Mariners. And that played a big factor. Obviously, Adovino giving up the homer in the ninth, that, that, that killed him. But that could have been a different inning and you sweep. You never know. So it's very frustrating continuing to watch this guy. Who you can put in the lineup. There's no way you can make sense of it. There's no way rhyme or reason. We said it a long time ago. You're talking about a guy who's making, I think it's barely $2 million. So you want to talk about expendable? If you can throw away all that other cash on all these other guys, 
expendable would have been Vogelback. And I don't know the reasons. I don't, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about the exit velocity metrics and how he's just off from a season ago. When you just stop, then you're just off. It, it, a decline happens for everybody and for whatever reason. It doesn't matter if you have other options. And Buck even pointed to that the other night. He talked about Vogue. He said, oh, we came close. Vogue hit a line drive. And it was gone. I'm like, who cares if he hit a line drive? The ball was gone. Yeah. No, that, that's so, – so the new <sighs> baseball, the the – statistics that don't matter anymore to them is batting average, right? What they're looking at is the probability is increased by how hard you hit the ball. So if you hit the ball over a hundred miles an hour, the probability skyrockets that you're going to get a hit. The shift used to really negate that because now there was less of a probability. The harder you hit it normally was pull side. So if you had everybody in the pull side, uh, three guys on the pull side, then made it a lesser chance for the ball to get in there. So now you had to try to elevate the ball. Ball elevated in the air and it's not a hundred mile an hour, probably gets caught. And those are easier for outfielders to handle and players to handle. One hop smashes out a hundred miles an hour in the infield. Doesn't really matter that they got to make a good play and stay in front of that thing. So that's always been the thing. If you're going to swing that hard, they'd rather you swing for the fences than just trying to put the ball in play. It's, it's the new baseball, but as you love, how about a bunt? If they're shifting everybody over, even they still shift over on these guys without going across the base. They still leave third base line open. Um, how about, you know, being able to just slap the ball the other way, put it in place softly. Um, you know, I was just up in Syracuse again with the fantasy camp mini camp and watching these old school guys, you know, who kept complaining the whole time about, you know, guys can't hit the other way guys can't. And I laughed at them the whole time. Cause I go, it's not as easy as you think it is. You know, it was named the Ted Williams shift for a reason. It was to stop Ted Williams from batting 400 uh, and it worked. So uh, if the greatest hitters uh, in the world are having troubles to make, making adjustments to it, then it's not something as simple as just do it. Besides all that, the pitching side of things is something we have to talk about because you got, Two guys that are getting major opportunities to prove that they belong for the rotation next year. And if the team isn't truly going to, you know, invest big money into starters that are coming out, and then there's not many, um, there's not many names that jump off the page at you. There's no Verlanders, that's for sure. Um, then these two guys, uh, Peterson and McGill, they're going to have to step up their game in a major way because right now you're kind of like, nah, take it or leave it. And even, I mean, Sunday he pitched well, three runs, he was fine. Peterson, Saturday, four runs. Is fine, but they're not making world beaters right now. You know, the good thing about the free agent class, it is a pretty good middle tier. They're saying it's one of the better, like, yeah, that's not the Verlanders, the high-end Hall of Famers, but there are a lot of names. There are a lot of guys who've had some career success. No one that's going to, you know, change your franchise, but there are guys out there. Like, I think they're going to be very much in the running for Yamamoto. I think they're going to go for Urias. They're going to go for a guy like Nola. Maybe Nola stays in the division. Wouldn't hate you know, wouldn't hate a Yamamoto, Nola. I doubt they'll get Yuri, all three of those, but wouldn't hate those two. And then one other name, hopefully not like a Michael Lorenzen. I hope they could do a little bit better than that. But I still don't think these guys are doing enough. They, You know, they might do enough to start the year in AAA. They might do enough to fight for a fifth spot. But, you know, it, it's it's nice to see them at least keep the Mets in games because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Figgy McGill was like seven runs, eight runs. Like they weren't even in the game. So, you see, if you have starters that keep them in the game, and that's why we're not going to go crazy about them still being seven out because they just don't have the pitching. I mean, Cookie, they basically they put on waivers. No one wanted them, and 
And they're basically quitting on starting Cookie, which is probably smart because he was just getting absolutely pounded. But they just don't have the guys, the horses, to make it an, a legit playoff race. And they don't have the guys in the middle relief. I mean, Hartwig was fascinating for like a couple of weeks, and now he's just been terrible. Trevor God, is, is we know, is just uh, is the walking white flag. Got, got awful. Got awful. Drew Smith, we know him. He's just He's just awful. And then Adovino has been inconsistent. So they just don't have across the board from starters to bullpen enough to keep this thing interesting. Is McGill going to even have a shot to compete? I I don't think we've seen enough figgy out of those guys. We've seen them for three years. This isn't a small sample size. This isn't a, oh, let's see what these kids can do in September. It's their first time go around. We've seen for three years they've got an opportunity, and it's been, you know, at mixed levels, mixed intervals or whatever. But we've they've seen teased some... us in little sprinkles. Little. That's the problem. It's not just the teasing. Is that when you have two Hall of Fame right-handed pitchers sitting in the same locker room as you, and you are declining so quickly, you're regressing so quickly as if you've never pitched in the big leagues before and you're overwhelmed by the moment. It reminds you of Steven Matz. Remember how Steven Matz used to speak about that four years into the big leagues? Man, the game's really speeding up on me as they're playing Cincinnati. Uh, that 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 shouldn't be happening. Like the mental toughness is something that you should absorb and watching their game and how cool and calm that they are. Right. The mental game is is physically you should be getting bigger and stronger. You should understand your body more and, uh, you know, look at Noah Syndergaard. You got to change your workouts. You, you're not lifting heavy during the season. All those different things. You're trying to get more flexible. You're trying to eat right. All those different things. Like there's 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 a whole slew of like there should be an encyclopedia in the clubhouse. Hey, what to do and what not to do. You know, and as you flip through it, you know what? I'm having a problem with this. Let me see if there have, there's a history of anybody dealing with something like this. Oh, good. There's reference points to it. As fans, we know this. Like, we can uh, we can equate, like, when Harvey was going through all the stuff that Harvey was going through, Doc Gooden was the perfect guy to talk with him. You know what happened? They never got to talk. The availability was there. Doc said, I'm all ears. He never reached out to me. And that's a tremendous resource to have. You have a resource like uh, Max Scherzer. You have a resource like... Hey, Justin Verlander, who's gone through Tommy John at the age that he did. What did it take to come back from that? What did you do differently? Because when you came back, he didn't just come back and throw a baseball. He had his best season ever at a 170 ERA and a Cy Young. You have to be a student of the game and not just happy to be in the big leagues and just trying to, you know, hide, I guess, in the plain sight. Because this is New York, and you were at times when you replaced Jacob Degrom as the opening day starter. Everybody's like, "What are we doing?" And then you pitched his butt off, and you're like, "Man, this kid's actually really, really good." Sitting at 98, 99 miles an hour, the velo hasn't been there. We haven't seen the same velo out of him. The breaking stuff hasn't looked as good. The changeup, which was one of his best weapons, hasn't been as good. So there's a regression there, and I can't for the life of me understand how the pitching coach. You're not fixing or changing those other two guys. Your project is Peterson and McGill. You got to get these guys better because if they're better, Senga is who he is because he came over a finished product from Japan. Those three guys are, you know what? You just keep the motor running. You don't add mods to it. You know what I'm saying? You're not trying to add a turbo to those Cadillacs. You let those Cadillacs be Cadillacs. Now I got these two young studs. Listen, guys, sit them down. This is make or break for you guys. You guys want to make a lot of money in this game? Or you guys want to just get by? You're going to keep going down to AAA and big leagues because we're not going to have room to keep having mediocre starts. 
This team is wanting to win and win now. You want to be part of that? We've got to change some things, whether it's the, the way you're the, – the, the pitch usage, the way you're pitching, your, your lack of execution. We were just talking about that on the hitting side, right? Swing for the fences. Whatever happens, happens. You can't do that in pitching. You can't just throw the ball up there and hope for the best. You got to be able to execute still, and I think that's what's lacking in both their games. That was the Cadillac. Yeah, I, you know, I Hefner getting fucked. I mean, Jeremy Hefter will not be back. I don't have a source report. I'm, I'm just going to go with my gut that they're going to fire. Like uh, he's just no. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. You know, it, when it happens, first reported by Jake Brown. Right? <laughs> <laughs> first colon Ken Rosenthal, Jake Brown. Right? The day that happens in a tweet will be the day we all die. I think. I I would love for it to happen, but I, I don't. I don't see it. But yeah, man, I, I just I, I don't think they're they're part of the future here. And uh, you know, you could put them back in AAA again, and maybe they're your six and seven starters when the inevitable injuries happen. But you know, we got to see better performances. And like you're right, I mean, we've two years of it, and we did the sprinkles. I mean, McGill looked like Jacob Degrom for a month, and then you know got hurt, and then it never was the same. So. We'll see what happens there. Pete Alonso, you know, continues doing Pete Alonso things. Two homers, 41 homers. The only fifth player in MLB history to have three 40-plus homers in his first five years. He had 16 in that 60-game season. You want to extrapolate? You want to extrapolate that? He would have 40. Yeah, I get mad every time somebody talks about, oh, his first five years, you know, he's still under Ralph Kinder and all those guys. I go, yeah, but do you remember one of those years was only 60 games? Yeah, and it so wasn't really, it's, you know, th- it it's really three years. and four years. It's three out of four years because 37 in 2021. So he's been fantastic. I'm not going to keep harping on it. We've talked about it in the past. I said, if you get the right haul, you trade him. If you don't get the right haul, you keep him, and he stays. That's it. Period. No more drama. Yeah, but what's a, but, <laughs> easy, uh, Mary J. Blige. Uh, what what exactly would be the right haul? Because it'd have to be major league ready now. It would have to be a frontline starter now. So a team like Seattle, say, they've got Ty France over there now, who's their all-star first baseman, also leads the league in getting hit, uh, a la Pete Alonzo style. They've got a couple of, you know, starters, uh, the Kirby kid who's from White Plains, uh, Arai, New York, I should say. He's an interesting, would be an interesting get because he's so young and you know, he's been a, a fantastic starter. I don't think they give France and Kirby. That's the, I mean, no, if no, you no. Got, but that's what I'm if saying. If you got if both, you would do that, but that wouldn't, they oh, wouldn't get that much. I don't, I don't think they would either. But what I'm saying is that there's nobody that's going to give up a frontline starter. I mean, that's literally what you have to get. You have to get something of that magnitude. You can't get me a double A AA kid who projects well. You can't get me I even a triple A kid who put up good numbers. I, I I think you have to have somebody that's going to inject right into the rotation, and is going to have to be you know basically your number two or three. So it, it I don't see I don't really see it happening. I think the the talk is the talk. I think it's it's interesting how you know different media outlets are pulling in different ideas or concepts of reasons why um but everyone i've talked to and i was around the guys in syracuse the guys a lot of mets people were around um just talking with them and they they don't understand why this guy is getting that much flack uh all the way around there's no one that's stepping up and saying yeah i know that for a fact i've seen it or my source is it's just interesting to me it's just really interesting because I'm, I'm waiting for the first person to have the balls to do it in this day and age of all the information that is out there. And you hear that the teammates are going to bat. They want to speak to ownership about keeping Pete. Like I've never heard of that before either. 
in in the in the Phillies clubhouse, it was literally uh, it was the light versus the dark. The guys that wore red shirts, like all were one side of the clubhouse or, or thought of a certain way, had a team philosophy. The guys that were wearing black t-shirts, like during batting practice, it was crazy. Like they were, were like, why are you wearing black t-shirts? We don't wear black. We're red, a red and white team. And there was a group of guys that wore these black t-shirts because they just thought they could. And we sat back and there were guys that were in the middle watching this. And veteran players going, what is going on in here? Like they're trying to have two sides of this team where we're supposed to be on the same side trying to win this thing. We finished two games out of first place back when there was no wild cards or anything. So the Braves had won 12 straight Eastern Division championships. And we were with team of with five rookies. We had Jimmy Rollins being one of them. um, And we almost took over for the Braves. And it was crazy to think we were just two games out with all the animosity going on, all the, the things going on. And then Scott Rowland went on, of course, to St. Louis and won a World Series. And now he's a Hall of Famer. And just I, I'd never seen anything like that where the the, the management ter- got the city to turn on him. Because they, they everybody loved Boa. Philadelphia loved Boa. They still do. He, he went back there as a coach. And remember the fight with uh, Daniel Murphy on the bat flip that he, wanted, he told him he was going to get him hit in the ribs? Like, he was just an old school guy that just didn't get it. He wanted Scott Rowland to be the leader in a way that, you know, he's like, uh, uh, go, go tell that guy he needs to do his job and go yell at that guy. And he goes, no, that's your job. I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like that guy. I come to work every day and give my all just like that guy. He's like, if you think he's giving less than an effort, that's your job as the manager to go do that. Well, we'll see how this Pete Alonzo situation uh, plays out. The Mets will take on the Nationals Tuesday and Wednesday. A weird little, which I hate, two-game series. And then Thursday is an off day. We'll have a new episode drop on Thursday, which is also the first game of the NFL season. So glad football is back. And then Mets go to Minnesota over the weekend. And then, you know, it's interesting. Like I said before, you have four against the D-backs and three against the Reds. Three against the Marlins. You have 10 straight games against those teams that are all bunched up tied for the wild card third spot. It is currently a one, two, three, four way tie for the third wild card. Diamondbacks, Marlins, Giants, Reds. You play three of them back to back to back. So that's going to be, uh, we'll see if the Mets, you know, if Ronnie Mauricio carries them and they win some games. Maybe they get within, and we we joked about this. We're like, we're, I'm gonna hate if they tease us and get within three games. And there is a possibility if they beat those I teams, told you that. they will. <laughs> and that with that schedule, that it could happen. But it is Ronnie Timber Figgy. I have a little thing I thought of. You know, I like music. We did Ghostbusters with the Ghost Forkball. Uh, uh, with, with copyrights, we can't play music. But in post, we can maybe add a little karaoke instrumental and match it up with my words. But do you know the song Timber by Pitbull and Kesha? You've heard of it? I'm I'm going down. Uh it's going down. Yeah. That's a yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm going down. It's a classic mix up of lyrics there. <laughs> Could mean so many different things. Um, but yes, Pitbull Timber. So I'll just sing the four bar chorus, and this will be the theme of September for the Mets. You ready? Here we go. <clears throat> it's going down. It's Ronnie Timber. You better hit. You better steal. Let's make a month. You will remember. I'll be the one you won't forget. Oh, it's Ronnie Timber. Oh, 
It's Ronnie Timber. How do you like that one? Pretty good, right? Masterful. <laughs> Masterful. That that was that was what came to mind, really. On that note, we'll go from the Jake Brown Singing Academy to the Nelson Figueroa Spanish Academy <laughs> next. <laughs> Amazing but true. Hello, K-Mani. Bienvenidos, mi gente, a la Academia de Español del Nelson Figueroa. Brought to you by Goya. No, I, I can't even say that, can I? Mets corduroy hat. <laughs> oh, that thing's awful. It's very much thrift shoppy. It didn't. It doesn't fit my big fat head very well. But like, I felt like I just got out of the thrift shop and thoughts and prayers to my thrift shop, Buffalo Exchange, now gone in Astoria. But it's a it's a cool little vintage look, though. I gotta say, it. it I did want to go to get this on Saturday. I'm glad I did, and uh, and it's kind of cool. I also got a cool little. Uh, shell shout out to genie and her son custom shells by andrew wells now it's a variety of uses it could be an ashtray and you could put like keys in it you put like sorry but yeah cool shell right perdóname jacobo jacobo cállate la boca add estamos en clase y estás hablando inglés si sí. y por qué sorry <laughs> <laughs> said you're in Spanish class and you're talking English and with your ADD HDD yeah you exactly ADHD? stay focused there we go how do you say ADHD in Spanish a September to remember un septiembre para recordar un septiembre no hey hey it was Jewish heritage Jay listen my guy Matis Yahoo performed I had to get my Hebrew on there on Sunday uh, un septiembre Continue. para recordar para recordar Un septiembre para recordar. What, how there an L? Why is there an L in there? Un septiembre para recordar. Un septiembre para recordar. Arugula. How are we getting back to Jewish heritage? Arugula. Challah <laughs> <laughs> bread. Uh, um, say it again. Un septiembre. It, it's just like September, except the R is before the Y un septiembre. Right. Un septiembre. Para recordar. Para recordar. But there are, there's L's in there, it sounds like. Recordar. Not a single. No, recordar. Record. Remember. Oh, recordar. Okay. Un septiembre. Para recorder. Hot cross buns. Third grade, Jake Brown. Un septiembre. Para record record recorder oh god say it again recorder 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 yeah recorder 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 un septiembre anthony record un septiembre oh record all right i think un septiembre un septiembre un septiembre para recorder okay and and now because you came up with that fantastic song oof hit single Download yeah. Spotify. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. Yes. Está bajando. Estoy gritando madera. I was hoping for you to sing, sing the whole thing. All right. Slow. I got to write it down slower. Está who? Bajando. Bajando. Oh, I like that word. Bajando. Estoy gritando Estoy madera. Gritando marenda. Miranda. Madera. Moderna? Take out the N and then you got it. Madera. Is that it? Madera. Madera. Está bajando. It's going down. I'm yelling to Oh, boy. I'm trying to get the... I can smell the wood burning. Está bajando. smell the wood burning. See, it's three. It's tougher with the three long words. Está bajando. 
estoy gritando madera. It's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to put in in song form. Está bajando, estoy gritando madera. You can't. It's too. It's too big words to put it in song. It's really tough. Está so bajando. Take out, take out the estoy, which means I am. Okay. And then yelling timber. It's okay. going down. Yelling timber. Okay. Great. Est- Go ahead. Está bajando, gritando madera. No, go up with it. Up with it. I'm going down. Is yelling timber? Está bajando, uh-huh. gritando madera. What? What? There you go. Changing well, the yeah, language. I don't know what you do with the hands. Tougher. Está. Doesn't it? Down. Está bajando. I'm yelling. T- Está bajando, gritando madera. There you go. Oh, man, we messed this one up. And that wraps up. <laughs> Gracias por tu participación. Can you sing it one time for me? Close it out with you singing it. Go. Está bajando, gritando madera. What is the sweet sounds of Ozuna? We'll close up the show next. <laughs> and my God, the cojones on that beautiful man. All righty, Figgy, that'll close out episode, I don't even know anymore. I think it's 177 of Amazing But True. Good God, that's a lot of episodes. Our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Uh, thanks to you, Jake, and Andrew Hartz especially, because he's going to have to do a lot of editing on this show. Subscribe to Amazing But True on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch all episodes. Find that Amazing But True playlist. Give us thumbs up below on the YouTube and comment your thoughts why are you watching this team the rest of the season what are you looking for follow us on twitter at amazing but true at figgy and why and at jake brown radio yeah thanks to pix 11 i was a guest 11 p.m sunday night i had a good time with joe i i always say joe i how do you say his last marusio i mean how do you say his last name no that would be mauricio though charcuterie it's, board charcuterie Ma- maseri Joe yeah, Masseri. So thanks to Joe. Uh, I look good on there. Did a good job talking Mets and Jets as the Jets season. If you're a Jets fan, listen to this show. Gang's All Here podcast. It all begins this week. We get rolling with the season preview and then twice a week. So you have Mets twice a week. You have Jets four Jake episodes a week. So yeah, God bless you. If you listen to all four, I'll get you a cookie next time I see you. So uh, tune in to Gangs All Here. And yeah, thanks, Pixlove. I had a good time on there. Hopefully, I'll be on with you. And a good weekend. The Mets nearly swept the first place team. So two games coming up against the Nationals in D.C. Enjoy those games. I'll be back on Thursday with a new episode. And Figgy, the uh, vibes are better. The team's a little bit more watchable with these young guys in the lineup with Beatty in there and Mauricio getting on, stealing bases. A much better product to watch him with DJ Stewart. We didn't mention shout out to him. And he continues just hitting dingers and robbing balls. I mean, I was, he was, they called my doppelganger. I was right behind him yesterday. He made a running great catch. I still don't think I am, although I've been gaining away to the point where I'm starting. My cheeks are getting DJ Stewart esque here coming up. So we need the season end. But he continues to rake. Go, DJ. That's my DJ. We'll close out the show in a positive manner because the Mets won in three, two, one. Let's go. Let's go, Mets. Happy Labor Day, everybody. Vogel sack. Vogel can't bat. Vogel don't come back.